You're listening to CJSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent for Moving Radio. Brendan James Boyd is a multidisciplinary award-winning artist with an expertise in filmmaking, special effects, haunted house and escape room design, and a passion for puppetry. His work with puppets is extensive. He was gracious enough to share his experiences with puppet building and puppeteering with my high school students, helping myself and my co-director, Moving Radio host Christian Zip bring to life the characters for a production, Failure, A Love Story. We mounted a few years back. His generosity and passion has led him to realizing his dream of working on a Jim Henson production with the revival of Fraggle Rock on Apple TV+. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, Glad you could join us to chat about your experiences, Brendan. If there's one person that you could point to that maybe helped you and encouraged you in your artistic endeavors, who might that be? And why do you think that person played an important role in your development as an artist? Oh my goodness. There's so many, there's too many to name. It took a village to get this crazy kid to focus. (laughs) I was extremely lucky growing up because I grew up in Fort McMurray, Alberta. At the time, there was a very vibrant arts community there. And a lot of the schools had very dedicated arts programs. And I was really lucky to have wonderful drama teachers in every grade. I had a Val Gondek when I was in elementary school. And then in high school, a teacher by the name of Karen Towsley. They taught me so much uh, about so many different things. I feel like this is the right time to give a shout out to my mom. My mom has always been my biggest fan my biggest supporter. She's always just kind of gone with it. When I told her when I was three years old, I want to be a puppet man. She said, okay. And she got me every book from the library and helped me rent all the different Muppet specials. So I'm going to say my mom. That's a solid answer. A lot of parents are instrumental in the way that we grow and change. I could say the same thing about my parents' biggest fans. They're Good cheerleaders. I was just going to say, it could have gone the other way, right? It could have been, they could have said, puppetry, no, you need to focus on hockey or academics. But I was very lucky that both my parents were very supportive of all my crazy endeavors. What do you think is the craziest ask that you directed towards your parents? (laughs) The craziest thing I asked them for? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I mean, my poor mom and dad... I've had my own company outside of Fraggle Rock, right? I build puppets all the time and I do shows and I produce things. And I'm to this day, my parents still somehow get wrangled into these projects. I don't know. The craziest thing, like my poor dad, my dad is a wonderful carpenter. So anytime we have something really strange that we need built or difficult, he comes to us. I think he likes a challenge. It's hard to say when everything you do is so unusual. I think the probably the strangest things we've ever asked them for is anything close to normal. (laughs) Like anytime I'm like, I just need a normal chair or a table or, hey, can you help us design a normal looking room? They're like, what? There's no compound curves. There's no strange angles. What's wrong here? So when it's normal, they're like, why is it normal? (laughs) Why, Why aren't we going to the unusual? And and just to clarify, when I say I work with my parents, I actually often hire my parents on projects now. Like growing up, they were very theatrical and very artistic. My dad actually was a theater technician at Piano Theater, and my mom is a fiber artist. So I grew up with an artsy family, and they were always kind of helping me with my projects. And now that I'm 
professional, I do hire them to come do things for me. It's quite funny. That's awesome. Working on Fraggle Rock has likely changed your perspective. Outside of that world of Fraggle Rock, though, is there a Jim Henson property that you really gravitate towards and maybe why? Yeah, I say that I was a creature shop kid. So I really loved the Dark Crystal when I was a kid a lot. That was my favorite. And most of my friends hated watching it. They were terrified of the Skeksis, right? Everyone was. My friends would think it was boring. I don't know. There was something about that world and those creatures. I've always been a bit of a horror buff. I've always been really into sculpture work and stuff like that. There's something about the Dark Crystal and simultaneously Nightmare Before Christmas, which is not a handsome property, of course. But those, those two are the films that I say are really what got me going something about them sparked my imagination. And I think it was that everything was tactile, everything was handmade and everything was custom made. There's something about those fully designed and created worlds that I was totally blown away with and thought, I wanna do that. Tagging on to your idea of horror, we've been having conversations about a month ago around Scream, saying that you're a horror fan. What's your favorite scary movie in that vein? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was a huge fan of, you know, my generation grew up with the VHS section that had all the enticing video covers, right? You'd walk through the video Mm -hmm. store back when there was Blockbuster and whatever local video store you had, you see the crazy cover art. But I was always really into the really weird B-movies, Full Moon Pictures, the Puppet Master series, hilariously enough, of course. But I think Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 in particular, it was just the right amount of zaniness and blood and guts. And it just really spoke to my sensibilities. And I, I still love it to this day. There's a new yeah. one coming out this year. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Evil Dead Rise. And I'm <laughs> so stoked. Evil Dead, come on now. That's good stuff when it comes to horror. Well, now we're going to jump back into Fraggle Rock. In terms of Fraggle Rock, now that you've kind of been a part of that experience, is there a character that you particularly like? From Fraggle Rock? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speaking of horror, one of my favorite characters isn't back in the reboot yet. There's this really obscure character from the original series that had a, a, a very Peter Laurie sort of thing going on. And, and he was a weird character that was like starting a cult in the back of Fraggle Rock. And, was just, and then he kind of disappeared after a season or something. But he's my favorite character. In the new one, there's a whole bunch of new characters that are really fantastic. Like they've got this new character named Icy Joe, played by Karen Prell, who's from the original Fraggle Rock. She also does Red. And she's in her 60s now and is one of the most powerhouse puppeteers I have ever witnessed work. And her new character, Icy Joe, is just hilarious and has some of the best lines in the whole series. Let's go maybe to your creations in terms of puppetry. Is there one particular puppet that you're proud of? I know there's a lot. You've created a ton. But is there one that you can point to that maybe you're super proud of? And then if there's any way our audience can connect with this puppet or your creations for that matter. One of my favorite characters is, I've got a couple. I've got two characters who are my all-time favorites. One is named Nino and he's this green monster puppet which emerged when I was in college when I was first, first started a puppetry troupe. 
and we were doing kid shows and he's kind of just a gruffer, sassier version of me, but not mean. He's a very chill guy. He's very cool. And it just like tells it like it is. He's got this kind of smoker's voice. And it's like, yeah, he's always the host of my shows and he's always there. He's always the puppet I pull out when I go anywhere and make public appearances. And then my, my second favorite, I'm torn because they're both, they're both my favorite. My second favorite is this ghost, this uh, jovial ghost named Jake, who's from a musical, a puppet musical we wrote years ago. And he just emerged this character. He's got this kind of airy, like almost like Bobby Boris Pickett kind of voice. And <laughs> this, this really flouncy laugh. And again, he's a very kind character. He's got a little bit of sass, but these two characters, those are the characters I do the most. Is there a way that your audience can connect with these two characters? Jake, the ghost, he's actually online. You can find him on YouTube if you look up the 13 Days of Frightful Fun, which was a Halloween video tutorial series we did two years ago. And hopefully some incarnation of that and that character is coming back soon. Nino, we've got plans for, I work with a lot of puppeteers who over the last 10 years, we've developed this sort of repertoire of characters. And Nino's kind of like, of this crazy world, I kind of bring everyone together for these projects and Nino kind of brings all these characters together. And so we've been working on an adult series and we're shooting a pilot this year, which Nino is the host. It's not for kids, not in any way, but it's actually based on an improv show that we did at the Edmonton Fringe in 2016. It's called Rear Entry and the show will probably have the same name and it's a funny show. So hopefully you'll see these characters popping up all over the place soon. Well, that's fantastic. I'm sure some of our listeners may have seen your show at the Fringe. I hope so. It was it was a wild time. It was a wild show. We were all just winging it, and it was funny. Traveling back to Fraggle Rock, when you were on the set, was there any unique challenges you had in terms of the production for yourself? Well, I mean, I, I've been doing puppetry for... I keep saying 15 years, but I think it's been longer than that now. I'm just losing track of how old I'm getting. I had never worked on a production this big and never with this many moving parts. So for me, getting into something major, I keep saying to everyone, they don't make shows like this anymore, of this scale, of this magnitude, with these huge sets and and all these puppets. Like everything was practical. That giant cave was really there. So the chances of you in your puppetry career getting onto one of these sets is, is pretty slim. So walking onto this for the first time, it was like I suddenly didn't know anything about puppetry. I didn't know anything about being on camera. It was a crash course. And there were a lot of nerves too, right? Like I was like, oh my God, I'm here. It, 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 I'm actually here. And they'd be like, Brendan, you're not moving because I was just kind of so nervous. So it took a little while to acclimatize to the machine that is making a puppet TV show for sure. And I was also the tallest person on set. I'm six foot three when I stand up straight. I have a bit of a natural, like I slouch, but I'm still quite tall in comparison to some of the other puppeteers. So I had a tough time keeping my head out of shot when everyone else is five foot six. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a unique challenge having to navigate that. The sets sound incredible. Was there something in terms of the set that stuck out for you or like really brought you back to your childhood of seeing Fraggle Rock? I mean, all of it. They were the same but different in many ways. The producer or the executive producer, John Tartaglia, put it best. And it's that it's the original show 
times 400. They blew everything up, right? So like the one that sticks out for me is the Gorg's garden and the Gorg's house. It's like the original from the show, if you go back and watch it, but like blown up four times as big. It's an actual castle set. We were there before the set was done. They weren't going to shoot the Gorg content till a little later in the shoot. And we were walking in and seeing this thing come together every day was so magical. And the funniest thing is on the show, it almost looks like a miniature when they do the wide shots, but it wasn't. It was this enormous practical set with trees and a big turret. And it was mind blowing. It's pretty incredible when you can get Hollywood money invested in something of this scale. It, Absolutely. It sounds incredible. Would love to have seen it myself. I'm sure most of our audience members too. Did you have a favorite moment on set? Oh, there were a few. So we were like, we were a part of the additional puppeteers. I don't want anyone to think I was Gobo or anything like that. We were, I keep saying we, we were almost like the newer, the trainee puppeteers in a way, because they had the more established performers come in and play the main characters. And then they kind of got to know us and started assigning us things. And as they got to know our skill sets, gave us different things to do. And I slowly snuck my way from behind a waterfall to the very front with some characters. So I got to live my Muppet band fantasy. There's an episode called New Day's Day. And there's a whole musical sequence. And I'm one of the band members rocking out with a saxophone. I was like, I've done it. I made it. I'm in a Muppet band. (laughs) There was another day when I got to be in the finale, the final episode, I got to be this little thing called an ink spot which was like the holy grail for all of us. We were like, oh my God, I hope I get to be an ink spot, which is so strange because they're an obscure character, but they were the original puppets from the original series. And they were also used in Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. So like getting to like work with one of those puppets, I had a great time, but the best memory, I was so lucky to have my 34th birthday on the set of Fraggle Rock and the producer John Tartaglia did this hilarious thing where he's like yeah we need everyone to set to discuss the next shot and they brought me out and the Fraggles sang me happy birthday and it was like I was three years old again it was incredible oh man it's it sounds amazing (laughs) tagging on to accomplishing that childhood dream I'm sure there's some excitement around being able to share that with family and friends now For anyone who maybe aspires to jump into the things that you're doing right now as a artist, as a puppeteer, director, it's not just puppeteering, you're creating in so many different ways. Do you have any advice for the aspiring artist? I mean, it's a tough road. Stick to the dream. I didn't get on a show like this until I was 34. It's a long journey and I had actually given up on puppetry a couple of years ago, I had a puppet company and it, it didn't do so well. And I thought, man, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to get to LA or New York and be on these shows. I guess it's something you hear a lot from artists, but don't give up. Keep working at it. You never know when it's going to happen. And create, create as much as you can. I think the reason I snuck onto this show was because when you Google me, and that's what they did. They, I had an interview with them. And while they were talking to me, they Googled me and saw all these pictures of me holding puppets. And that's why someone in the interview said, do you want to go audition for the show, right? Do as much as you can. Do as much art as you can. Don't focus on the goal. Don't focus on, you know, I really want to be a Henson puppeteer. Focus on the skill. Focus on the art form. 
learn as much as you can, practice as much as you can, and have as much fun as you can doing it. Some solid advice there. Why do you believe the Muppets and Jim Henson creations have captured the imagination of so many, including yourself? You know, there's a beautiful simplicity to it all. I think there was something, there was a beautiful simplicity to all of Jim's work. And he knew that. Obviously, he did some more complex things like the Dark Crystal. But the thing that was the big success was the Muppets. And I think it's because they're so silly. They're so out there. It's a bunch of people acting crazy with foam and fleece on their hands. What's not to love about it? But there's that crazy aspect to it. But there's also, there's always been a very pure kindness behind it all. They're never mean. They're never intentionally mean, at least. And there's always so much heart behind it. And I think going back to the new, the reboot of Fraggle Rock, that was something I really noticed about working on it, was that there was so much warmth and kindness and so much heart being put into it by every department. Everyone cared a lot about the show. Everyone enjoyed making the show. And Jim, that's what you hear a lot about Jim Henson's work. And I think that joy radiates off of the screen. You don't know why. You're watching these silly little creatures shake around, but you just, you feel that. You feel that energy that they had making it. And I think that's why people love it so much really i think captures the spirit of jim henson and all of the productions we've seen from that family uh including and you get to say you're a part of that family which is incredible really yeah Um, yeah (laughs) thank you brendan james boyd for sharing your experiences with the cgsr listeners You can catch his new series, Fraggle Rock, on the streaming service Apple TV+. And if you want to see more of Fraggle Rock, go to Twitter and hashtag Fraggle Rock back to the rock at Apple TV+. That's the handle. And thanks for joining us. This is Lucas Anders, your correspondent for Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5 Community Powered Radio. 